1: The Adventures of Sherlock Holmes The original and immortal stories of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle dramatized anew with Sir Ralph Richardson as Dr. Watson and Sir John Gielgud in the role of Sherlock Holmes.
2: Sometimes, as our friendship grew, Sherlock Holmes used to ask me to make certain investigations on his behalf. There was, I recall, the odd business of Miss Violet Smith, the charming bicyclist of Charlington. We first heard of her strange experience when she called on us one April day at Baker Street.
3: Ah, Miss Violet Smith, I presume. Do come in. I had your note just a moment ago saying you'd call.
4: Thank you, Mr. Holmes. This is your equally celebrated colleague, Dr. Watson,
2: perhaps. Oh, you flatter me, Miss Smith. Pray be seated. Could I offer you a little refreshment, a little ginger wine, perhaps? Some
4: Madeira? No, thank you, Doctor. You are very kind. I
3: fancy the problem is hardly in your line, Watson. So ardent a bicyclist as this lady has surely every likelihood of enjoying good health.
4: Well, Mr. Holmes... I've heard of your famous methods, of course, but how did you know that
2: I... <laughs> we knew it from the roughening on the edge of your boot, Miss Smith, from the pedals. On my soul, Watson, you'll be telling me next that you also knew Miss Smith was a pianist. <laughs> oh, I'd thought a typewriter, Holmes. Oh. Do forgive me, Miss Smith. You mean from the fingertips, Holmes. Yes,
3: but there's a certain spirituality in your face, Miss Smith. Which the typewriter would hardly inspire.
4: Well, gentlemen, you you really are most intriguing, both
3: of you. <laughs> ah, you definitely.
4: see, I do teach music.
2: And in the country, I presume, from your charming complexion.
4: Yes, Mr. Holmes, near Farnham.
2: Oh yes, that's that's a beautiful neighbourhood, Miss Smith, full of the most delightful things. One of the most delightful parts of the world. They're quite delightful. The place where we took Archie Stamford, the
3: forger, wasn't it, Watson?
4: Oh, really, gentlemen, <laughs> you fascinate me so much, I. I almost forget what I came for. Ah,
3: pray forgive us, Miss Smith. It's only our way. Now, regarding your note, is this matter serious?
4: Well, I hardly know, Mr. Holmes. It is certainly very strange.
3: Then we are all attention. Don't fidget, Watson. Compose yourself. I'm entirely composed, Holmes.
2: Pray proceed, Miss Smith.
4: Thank you. Well, you see, gentlemen, when my father died about two years ago, Mother and I were left very poor, so you can imagine how excited we were when we saw an advertisement in the papers one day asking for our whereabouts and saying that if we went to a certain solicitor, we would hear something to our advantage.
3: Indeed. And you did go?
4: Oh, yes. I went myself to the solicitor. Mother wasn't very well that day. Uh And there were two gentlemen there, a Mr. Carruthers, who was a clean-shaven man, and a Mr. Woodley, who'd a red moustache, and it seemed that they were both home on a visit from Australia. I didn't care for Mr. Woodley, but Mr. Carruthers was really quite nice. Of course, it was all a great mystery to me until Mr. Carruthers explained.
1: Well, it's uh, like this, you see, Miss Smith. You knew, I take it, that your late father had a brother, Ralph.
4: Yes, Mr. Carruthers, but he went to Australia 25 years ago. I never met him.
1: Oh, poor old Ralph. I'll bet he'd have enjoyed having a pretty niece like you, Miss Smith. Woodley, please. I'll oh. Leave it to me. Sure, sure, Bob. I wouldn't interfere for the world. Now, Miss Smith... Your Uncle Ralph was a great friend of ours. I regret to say that he died just a few months ago.
4: Oh, dear, I'm I'm sorry, Mr. Carruthers.
1: I'm afraid it ain't what you think, my dear. Old Ralph didn't make no fortune to leave to you.
4: I had no such thought at all, Mr. Woodley.
5: Ah. One in the eye for me, eh? (laughs) All right, Bob, carry on.
1: Well, it's true, Miss Smith, as Mr. Woodley says, your uncle died a poor man. When he heard of your father's death, he begged us, because we'd been such close friends of his, to come to England and hunt you up. To see that you and your mother shouldn't be in any want as his only living relatives.
4: That was very kind of him, Mr. Caruthers.
1: Now, uh, I'm a widower, Miss Smith, and I have a little girl of ten. I've taken a house called Chilton Grange near Farnham while I'm in England. How would you like a job as governess and music teacher? I I could offer a hundred pounds a year.
4: A hundred pounds? But that... that's splendid pay, Mr. Carrabbers.
1: Uh-huh. It's for poor old Ralph's sake. But I'm sure that you'll be worth it, Miss Smith. You bet she would.
5: <laughs> well, what do you say, Miss Smith? Do
2: you take the job?
5: <laughs> I reckon that you couldn't do much better.
4: I thought it over, Mr. Holmes, and I took the job.
2: And all went well, Miss Smith? Oh, at first,
4: wonderfully, Dr. Watson. Mr. Carruthers was very nice, and the little girl was a dear. We used to have some charming musical evenings together. Ah,
2: yes, I'm sure you did, Miss Smith. Do sit down, Watson.
3: Then why have you come to consult us, Miss Smith?
4: Well, to begin with, there was Mr. Woodley. He came to Farnham on a visit, and he was quite dreadful. He tried to to make love to me. I simply hated him.
2: Did Mr. Carruthers know?
4: Oh, yes. Mr. Woodley even proposed to me one day. He said that if I married him, I could have the finest diamonds in London. Imagine. And when I refused, he seized me in his arms. He was very strong.
2: A scoundrel.
4: And when I called for help, Mr. Carruthers came in and there was a fight. Oh, it was terrible, Dr. Watson.
2: Well, at least it was the end of Woodley's visits, I suppose.
4: Oh, yes. Mr. Carruthers was most upset. He sent Mr. Woodley away, and I haven't seen him since.
3: I should think not, indeed. Do calm yourself, my dear Watson. Uh, Now, my dear Miss Smith, pray continue. It is all so strange, you see. It's the cyclist.
2: The cyclist?
4: Yes. When I went to Chiltern Grange, Mr. Carruthers said I could spend every weekend in London to see my mother. So every Saturday forenoon, I cycle into Farnham to get the 1222... It's a very lonely road over Charlington Heath, you know.
3: Oh, yes, yes. I seem to remember it. Mainly woods, if I recollect.
4: Yes, on one side. And then there's one old house on the other, Charlington Hall. But that's the only one for miles and miles. You hardly ever meet anything, not so much as a cart. But one day... Yes, Miss Smith? Well, I happened to look back over my shoulder, Dr. Watson, and about 200 yards behind me, I saw a man, also on a bicycle.
2: What did he look like?
4: Well... Middle-aged, I'd say, and with a dark beard. I looked back again before I reached Farnham, but he'd gone by then, and I didn't think any more about it. But except that... Except? When I came back on Monday, I saw him again, on the same stretch of road, and then again the next Saturday, and the next Monday, too.
3: Aha! Yes, the case certainly begins to present some features of interest,
2: Watson, don't you think so? Did he molest you in any way, Miss Smith?
4: No. He kept his exact distance about... 200 yards, I'd say, just at the point where the road passes Charlington Hall.
2: Uh, who lives there, by the way? Do you happen to know, Miss Smith?
4: I'm afraid I don't. Uh-huh.
2: You, you mentioned the matter to Mr Carruthers, of course.
4: Oh, yes, and he seemed most interested. He said that he'd order a pony cart and groom so that in future I shouldn't have to pass over those lonely roads without some companion.
2: And you're sure you didn't know this man on the bicycle?
4: No, Dr Watson. He was always just a little too far away for me to see him, clearly. But I'm certain it wasn't anyone I knew. And then, this very morning, I thought I'd set a trap for him. The pony cart was to have come this week, but it didn't arrive in time, so I had to cycle again. And there he was, as usual, following me. So, I slowed down, and he slowed down, and I stopped altogether.
3: And he stopped. Brilliant, my dear Watson.
4: And then I pedalled on again and laid my trap. There's a little side road through the woods at one point, so I turned into it very quickly. He couldn't have seen me because there's a bend in the road just there. And I expected him to shoot past me so that I could have a closer glimpse of him.
3: But he didn't.
4: No, Mr. Holmes, he didn't. And when I came out again and looked back, there wasn't a sign of him across
3: the whole heath. Well, well, the matter has certainly some unique features. Don't you think so,
2: Watson? It's certainly somewhat singular, Holmes. I take it, Miss Smith, that you've no, uh, well, um secret uh, admirers perhaps
4: well hardly secret uh, dr watson Uh, there's cyril
2: cyril cyril watson of course oh of course yes i knew that must be someone miss smith a most attractive lady if i may say so Uh,
4: cyril morton mr holmes he is an electrical engineer at coventry we expect to be married at the end of the summer
2: it couldn't have been him that was
3: paying you any kind of surprise visit
4: Mr. Holmes as if I shouldn't recognize him.
3: Well, can't you think of anyone else? It might have been Miss Smith. Uh, Some other admirer, perhaps?
4: (laughs) Well, this dreadful man Woodley, if you can call him an admirer, and... Well? Well, perhaps it's only a fancy, Mr. Holmes, but it sometimes seems that Mr. Carruthers takes a, well, an interest in me. We are rather thrown together, you see... I play his accompaniments in the evenings. He seems quite well.
2: He's never actually said anything.
4: Oh, no, Doctor. He's a perfect gentleman. It's just that a girl always knows.
2: Does she? I mean, uh, yes, of course.
3: Yeah. Quite, Watson, quite. Well, Miss Smith, your case certainly provides several points of interest. I shall be most pleased to look into it. Thank and so pass. I am sure will Doctor Watson. Yes, yes, indeed, indeed. Take no further steps without letting us know. Keep in touch, Miss Smith. Meanwhile, spend your usual weekend with your mother and return on Monday to Farnham, and we
2: shall do our best to help you.
4: Thank you, Mr. Holmes. Thank you both, gentlemen. You've been very kind and Oh, patient. not so,
2: not so. Oh, uh, permit me, Miss Smith, your glove. Oh,
4: thank you, Dr. Watson. Then I will say goodbye, Mr. Holmes, and I will let you know if anything further happens. Yes,
2: pray do. Good day, Miss Smith. Good day, good day, good day, my dear. Well... <laughs> ah. Well, Holmes, well, well. Well, 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 indeed, my dear fellow. (laughs) Well, it's part of the settled order of nature, I suppose, that such a girl should have admirers, Holmes, but not following her on bicycles on lonely country roads. Yes, there are certainly some curious and suggestive details about the case.
3: I think our first effort should be directed towards the tenants of this Charlington Hall, the
2: house that the girl was passing when that strange cyclist disappeared. Yes, but how do you account for the odd acquaintanceship between Carruthers and Woodley? Such very different types and manners. You forestall me, Watson, as so often in this case.
3: I suppose it must be the feminine interest in it. Come, come, Holmes, now. Last and most important point, what kind of a menage is it that pays double the market price for a governess And yet doesn't keep a horse and carriage, although this house, Chilton Grange, is several miles away from the station.
2: Odd. Very odd. So you'll go down there? No, my dear fellow,
3: you will. I will? Well, you know quite well I'm busily engaged with my new violin sonata. It may be only some trifling intrigue after all. This case is just in your line, Watson. I leave it all to you. Die Eiviger Frau, as Goethe so aptly says. I don't know what that means, Holmes. (laughs) Just pass me my violin, will you please, my dear fellow? I always forget you have no German. I've been looking for a title for this new composition of mine. I think I may have found it at last. Rave d'amour. French Watson.
2: I always ignored Holmes in his more ponderously playful moods. At the same time, I must confess that in an experience of the ladies extending over many nations and three separate continents, I've seldom encountered one more charming than Miss Violet Smith and earnestly wished to do my best to help her. Accordingly, I made my way down to Charlington Heath on the following Monday and concealed myself behind a clump of gorse. In the distance... I saw Miss Smith gracefully speeding along the road from Farnham Station. And a moment later, the black-bearded pursuer had emerged from a gap in the hedge some hundred yards away from me and went cycling after her, looking curiously furtive. She slowed down, he slowed also. She stopped, he stopped. But she was a spirited girl, our Miss Smith, and this time she suddenly turned round and darted straight towards him. Yet he was as quick as she was. He turned his machine and pedalled off. Then she turned again, with her head in the air, very haughtily, and so made off for Chiltern Grange. And as for him... Well, Watson, as for him, the man with the black beard... Why, he came cycling by a few minutes later, Holmes. when he went right past me. And then he turned in at the hall gates, got off his bicycle to, to, to adjust his necktie or something. Oh! And then, then he jumped on his cycle again, pedaled away from me, up the drive. And that was that, eh? Yes. Yes, Holmes. Well, I, I was
3: really quite worn out, one thing or another. I'm sure you must have been, my dear fellow. Here, sit on the sofa and put your feet up.
2: Shall I ring with some hot milk? Upon oh, my soul, Holmes, you, you're quite insufferable.
3: There I was, doing my best for you. Exactly. And... While Miss Smith was on her way to Chilton Grange, where Mr Carruthers proposed to her last evening after dinner. What? Good heavens, Holmes. How did you learn that? Oh, quite simple, my dear fellow. There was a letter from her this morning. Well. Here it is, you see. Hmm, charming scent the girl uses. You'll find the important bit in the last paragraph. Uh, the rest is more or less an account of what you've already told me so graphically.
1: Huh.
2: Uh, I'm sure that you will respect my confidence, Mr. Holmes, when I tell you that my position has become difficult owing to the fact that my employer, Mr. Carruthers, has proposed marriage to me.
3: Our young friend seems to be getting into deep waters, eh? However, Watson, to return to your own exhausting exploits... Oh, let me hand you this cushion, my dear fellow. You haven't finished yet... I'm sure you made some inquiries, didn't you, in the neighbourhood as to who was
2: living in this mysterious old house, Charlington Hall. Yes, I did. I went to the local house agent, and it was let some weeks ago. Oh, uh-huh. to whom? A man called Williamson, Cedric Williamson, an elderly retired clergyman, according oh. to the locals in the public house. Good, good, Watson.
3: I was rather afraid you wouldn't have the sense to go to the pub. That's always the centre of country gossip. Oh, oh uh, thank you, Holmes.
2: I also happened to be thirsty after my day in the open. I'm
3: sure you were. Well, what else did you learn? If this Williamson is an elderly man, he
2: can hardly be the energetic cyclist. Ah, I don't suppose he was for the moment. He's a long white beard and a gammy leg. Oh, and that settles that. Mm. But It seems that there are doings at the hall most weekends. Doings? Yes, wild visitors and so forth. Oh. What the landlord calls a warm lot, sir. So you think the mysterious cyclist might be one of those? He might, because it seems that among them, Holmes, and the warmest of the lot is a fellow with a red moustache called Woodley. Oh, Miss Smith's fiery suitor. But uh, a red moustache,
3: Watson, yet the cyclist has a black beard.
2: Aha, uh-huh. but it could be assumed, Holmes.
3: So it could, so it could. In fact, oh, upon my soul, Watson, it's really quite a fascinating case, after all. It has all the ingredients, a lonely, attractive girl, two important suitors, a clergyman who holds wild parties, and, best of all... Well, Holmes? A strange man on a bicycle who dismounts for the purpose of adjusting his necktie. Yes, we shall be hearing from Miss Violet Smith again, my dear fellow, you may be sure of that.
4: Thursday, April 28th. Dear Mr. Holmes, You will not be surprised to hear that I am leaving Mr. Carruthers' employment. Even the high pay cannot reconcile me to the discomforts of my situation. On Saturday I come to London and do not intend to return. Mr. Carruthers has got the pony trap, which will be driven by an ostler, and so the dangers of the lonely road are now over. As to the cause of my leaving, it is not only the strange situation with Mr. Carruthers himself, but the reappearance of that odious Mr. Woodley. I saw him out of the window, but am glad to say I did not meet him. He had a long talk with Mr. Carruthers, and I think that they were quarrelling. He seems to be living somewhere in the neighbourhood, and I confess that I would sooner have a wild animal about the place. From his inflamed appearance, I am quite sure that he drinks heavily. I will not feel myself safe from him until Saturday, when I leave here forever and all my troubles will be over. Yours sincerely, and with regards to Dr. Watson, Violet Smith.
2: You hear? She sends her regards to you, Watson. Ah, thank you. Well, well, that's the end of that, I suppose. Not
3: at all, Watson. I believe there will soon be further developments. There's some deep intrigue going on around that young woman. I have a curious feeling. Hmm? Yes, I think it's all rather more sinister than I imagined at first. I've been checking on the Reverend Cedric Williamson. The old clergyman at the hall, eh? He was a clergyman once. I made some inquiries at a clerical agency, and the only man who fits the name and the description has had a singularly dark
2: career. I confess his conduct struck me as somewhat unecclesiastical with his wild parties and so forth. Yes, I must say that I'm considerably alarmed. What do you mean? I think that you and I should spare the time to run
3: down to Farnham together, Watson, tomorrow, Saturday morning, if you're free. You've still got that old army revolver of yours. Of course. Then take it, Watson, take it. You never know.
2: You simply never know. A rainy night had been followed by a glorious morning as we walked across the heath towards Charlington Hall. It seemed impossible that any menace could threaten on such a day. Yet, as we followed the winding road among the gorse where I had hidden myself earlier in the week, my nerves grew somewhat strained and I found myself fingering the pistol in my pocket. Holmes strode in front of me, his head in the air, covering the ground remarkably rapidly with his long, springy step. He looked a strange figure, striding through the gorse in his famous deerstalker cap and travelling cape. And then, suddenly...
5: Watson, look! Heavens above! I'm afraid okay. we're too late. What is it, Holmes, in heaven's name! Well, oh, look, the pony trap, it's empty! The man, stop the horses, stop the horse! Whoa there, whoa, whoa, you brute! Here, get hold of the reins, Watson. Stop him, for heaven's sake. What fool? Whoa, there, whoa. Ah, oh, oh, I've got him. I've got him. Quiet, quiet, my duty. There. There, that's better. Oh. He's all right, I'm... Holmes. Only nervous. What's happened? Oh, what a fool I've been, Watson. I should have allowed for her taking an earlier train. What's happened to Miss Smith? Where's the groom? They've abducted her, Watson. Why, oh, it made me murder. Heaven knows what. Pray God we may not be too late. What a fool I am. Holmes, look. The cyclist. Yes, Blackbeard coming towards us, peddling like the deuce. Oh, there! Stop! What are you doing with that dog car? I'll put a bullet in your horse! Don't be such a fool, man! Where's Miss Smith? That's what I'm asking you. You're in her dog car. But we found it empty. Quick, man, they must have got her. Woodley and that flag parson. By the living jingo, I'll never forgive myself. Look, Holmes, they must have gone this way, through the hedge, through the hedge there. Let's run for it. Holmes, wait. Someone's lying by the tree. Good heaven. Peter! It's Peter the groom. He was driving the pony cart. The scoundrels have killed him. No, no, no. He's only a flesh wound. He's only stunned. He'll be all right. Leave him for the moment then. He'll come to no harm. Come this way. Quickly. Round the bushes here. There's a clearing beyond. They might have... Ah! Miss Smith. Quickly, quickly. Through here.
1: Too late. There they are by the oak tree.
5: The girl's fainting. The clergyman. In his surplus home. He's marrying them, Watson. Woodley and the girl there. Yeah. You can take your beard off, Bob Carruthers. <laughs> I know you. You scoundrel, Woodley. Old Williamson's done it, Bob. <laughs> Prayer book and all. Always at your service, Mr. Carruthers. Al fresco weddings arranged at short notice. Funeral. Shut up,
1: you blackguard. Woodley, I'll see this woman write it if I have to swing for it. I told you what I'd do if you molested her, and by the Lord, I'd be as good as my word. <laughs> You're too late, Bob. <laughs> she's my wife. No, she's your widow.
3: Carruthers <laughs> <laughs> drop a gun. Keep away, Watson. Keep him covered. Yes. Who are you to order us about, hmm? My name is Sherlock Holmes. What? Take that surplus off. you disgrace the cloth, sir. Carruthers, give me a hand with Woolley to the house. Watson,
2: you look after Miss Smith, I'm sure. Dr.
4: Watson. Oh, dear Dr. Watson.
2: There, there, my dear. There, there. It's all right. It's all right. It's all right. Well now, Watson, what have you to report, eh? Miss Smith's resting in the drawing room. She'll be all right, Holmes. And Woodley? He'll live. Ah, oh, good. The bullet got him in the
1: shoulder. Confounded! I'll go upstairs and finish him first. Do you tell me the girl's going to be tied to Jack Woodley for life? Keep quiet, Carruthers.
3: Now, as for you, Williamson... Blasted, interfering, busybody? Just so. You can tell the police that when they arrive. I confess, I'm still a bit confused, Holmes. Yes, then I'll tell you the whole story. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, Carruthers.
1: I don't care a farthing if you're wrong or not. It's Miss Smith that's my concern. Don't
3: worry, Carruthers. Miss Smith will be quite all right. Mr. Williamson here has no right perform a marriage ceremony. I've been ordained. And also unfrocked. Once a clergyman, always a clergyman. I think not. How about the license? We got one. Then you got it by a trick. In any case, a forced marriage isn't a marriage at all, but a very serious felony. Mm. You'll have ten years to think that out, you old rascal. As for you, Carruthers, you would have done much better to have kept your pistol in your
1: pocket. No, I'm beginning to think so. By the living Jingo, though, when I think of all the precautions I took to shield her... Exactly.
3: You followed her on your bicycle, wearing a false beard, every time she passed this house.
1: Well, confounded! I knew these scoundrels were lurking here. I didn't know what they'd get up to. I had to protect her. I fell in love with them. I never meant to, but I did. Heaven help me.
2: You could have told her of the danger?
1: She'd have left. And I couldn't bear that.
2: Sounds more like selfishness to me than love. But I still don't understand it, Holmes. What happened? Simply that Miss Smith's uncle didn't die when
3: the scoundrels said he had Watson... And he wasn't a poor man either, Carruthers, was he? So you came over post-haste, and the idea was that one of you should marry her and the other have a share
1: in the plunder. For some reason or
3: other, Woodley was the one
1: chosen. We played cards for her on the voyage, and he won. Uh, Upon my (laughs) soul. I wish I'd never got tied up with him.
3: But at least you got her to enter your service. And then I suppose Woodley was to do the courting, only the trouble was that the girl
2: recognised him for the drunken brute he was and wouldn't have anything to do with him. I see it all, Holmes. And meanwhile, Carruthers had fallen in love with her himself and couldn't bear the thought of Woodley owning her. By George,
1: I couldn't. We quarrelled, you see, and he took this house and picked up with his padre here. Then he came to me one night this week with a cable. Old Ralph Smith was dead at last. I proposed to her as a last hope and she wouldn't have me. And Woodley took the whole thing into his own hands. You know the rest.
3: I should have known it long ago. The minute you told me, Watson, that you'd seen the solitary cyclist adjusting his necktie... Of course he was really taking off the beard he wore to keep Miss Smith from recognising him. But I perceive three members of the country constabulary coming up the drive, so our task here is really over, Watson. And if Miss Smith has recovered from her indisposition, it only remains for us to return to Baker Street. I'll see to her at once, Holmes. Oh, uh, and Watson, by the way, if she imagines that she's still feeling rather weak, perhaps a hint that we are about to telegraph a certain young electrician in Coventry would complete the cure. Aren't?
2: Eh? Oh, <laughs> Civil.
3: Quite
2: so, Holmes. Quite so, And so ended the case of the solitary cyclist. Williamson and Woodley were both tried for abduction, the former getting seven years and the latter ten. Carruthers got no more than a few months. The shooting of Woodley was viewed with leniency. He came out of prison a wiser and a better man. As to Miss Smith herself, I have a note in my records that she did indeed inherit a large fortune and became the wife of Cyril Morton. I had the pleasure of attending her wedding. But, in an experience of the ladies, extending over five nations, and. Watson, Watson, my poor, dear, susceptible Watson. Oh, confound you, Holmes, confound
1: you. <laughs> The adventures of Sherlock Holmes, based on the original stories of Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, have been dramatized anew with original music composed by Sidney Torch. Sir Ralph Richardson played the part of Dr. Watson, and Sir John Gilgood that of Sherlock Holmes. The program was produced by Harry Allen Towers.